Hello, and welcome to the Dissing My Ability podcast. I am your host, Ken Meeker, and I had such a great time having a conversation with this week's guest that we decided to go ahead and do another one together and finish up our, our conversation that we were having. Without further ado, I'm going to pass it on over to this week's uh, guest host, Montrese Hardy. Welcome. Thank you so much, Ken. Thank you for having me again, and I'm excited about this conversation. Conversation. So since you passed it over to me, um, I have a question for you, okay, which sure. I'm excited about. One thing that um, we've talked about off air, offline is intersectionality and disability. Mm-hmm. And I am so curious. First of all, I, I know that we're going to need to like define that term. So maybe I should do that. Long story short, and in the most elementary of terms, hopefully not too overly simplified, intersectionality is defined as a crossover of groupings, if you will, that a person experiences, their their different life experiences according to a number of different factors. This includes race, culture, gender, sexuality, um, ability, and so on. And the many layers that come with that and the different layers of all things positive and negative that come with those lived experiences. Does does that, do you have something you want to add to that idea or definition first? I, I, I wouldn't say, uh, I would, I usually go with intersectionality as what makes everybody a because we all have a, a t- whole bunch of things that make us us and mm-hmm. it's all of those it's all of those things and how they intersect and re- interact with each other yeah That's, so it's it's all the par- all the all the things that make you you yes i agree i agree with that um and so with that in mind i am curious if you have found yourself in um, having any experiences where besides your different ability or disability there was something that makes you you that either enhances and makes having the disability better or worse does that question make sense first of all it does actually and i think that's a great question so with intersectionality I think it's something that is critically important to really any conversation, especially within the diversity uh, and inclusion space. As you and I have have talked about, uh, you know, um, offline before, I think that there needs to be a greater consensus within people that work within the diversity and inclusion space about language, meaning, definition, because if within the space itself, we can't figure it all out, how are people that are outside of it going to understand anything and, and how can we get buy in from them? And so with intersectionality, because it's not one thing, it's, it's all the things, so to speak. I'm male, I'm cisgender, I'm also gay, I'm disabled, I'm a partner, I'm a business owner, small business owner, I'm a son, I'm an uncle, I'm, you know, I'm all of those things. Um, and I'm always all of those things. It's just depending on the circumstance, some of them might be more on display. Mm-hmm. But they all interact with each other and they all make up who I am. And so I think within, as it relates to the disability component, that's just one part of who I am. 
And I think that being exclusionary in terms of we're only going to focus on this thing or that thing or this thing um, is to everybody's detriment because it doesn't take mm-hmm. into consideration the whole person and allowing right. the entire, the whole person to show up. And the whole thing I'm about within the diversity and inclusion space is creating a safe space for everyone to show up and be themselves authentically mm-hmm. and to feel welcome, belonging, and because I'm all about creating equity. That's what the yeah. most important, that is the, to me, that is the most important aspect of it because that's when people have buy-in. They, they, they have what they need in order to thrive. And mm-hmm. that's where, that's the only avenue to get to equality is if people have right. equity. Because if they don't feel vested, if they don't feel like they have a stake in something, they're not going to care as much. And so that's what I'm all about. And the only way to allow that is for people to show up authentically, which means intersectionality has to be a component of that. What are all Mm -hmm. the aspects that make somebody a person? Yes. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that for me, that's how this, you know, disability is just one part of who I am. And it hasn't always been a part of who I am either. And so, you know, over the courses of our lives, circumstances change, you know, people have kids, they get married, they get divorced, you know, all kinds of different things happen through our lives. And so the whole person needs to be able to show up. Right. I love that answer. And thank you so much for sharing that and speaking to that. I I feel like it's going, it's going to give a good foundation, I believe, for how I think about intersectionality when it comes to um, my experience with this disability. <laughs> I was in a conversation with uh, another another young woman. She, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm having like mom brain fog, taking care of kids. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we talked a good amount about that on, on your last episode. Um, d- disability as a parent, whoa, that is a, that is a whole other monster in itself. But we were talking, this young lady and I. Um, she is a um, what is a diversity and inclusion consultant as well. Um, she focuses more on race and culture, and we were talking about a lot of different cultural differences. She happens to come from um, Asian American culture in, in her family and I think she's ooh, I think she's first generation I think she's first generation Japanese American and so we were having this conversation about what it is to um, walk around in your neighborhood and um, she was talking about um, we were talking about sustainability and okay. um, environmental awareness okay and in this conversation you know, we were talking about how cultures are perceived, how di- people from different cultures are perceived in regards to um, being environmentally conscious. Um, and what are the things that they can do? So she was saying one thing that she does, is she participates in the neighborhood, something like a, you know, um, a share type of program <laughs> where people basically say, hey, I have these items available does anybody need these particular items and then someone on facebook or some sort of post and then someone will say yes and then they say great it's available just come and get it does that make sense yeah so like so instead of throwing something away or whatever it's be like hey i i have this shelf does anybody need a shelf yes okay 
Yes. So it's like a co-op. And then of course, yep. you know, that, that saves on a number of different things. I mean, you, including carbon footprint, all of those different things, you don't, you know, less driving and all of that. You can just yeah. get it from your neighbor. So, um, and that's just one of the many benefits of that. Well, so she was saying, you know, she responded, she went to go get something. Her neighbor said that she was out of town. She, um, the young lady I was speaking with could just go, it, whatever she was trying to get was in the shed in the back, just go ahead and get it. And <laughs> oh, you told me. I, th- I, I think we, I don't remember if we talked about this offline or not, but it, yes, I remember. This. I, <laughs> remember this? I remember you telling me this. Yes. Yes. And so, so I think you're catching my drift now. So she um, was saying, you know, that she was, she felt. She she didn't even think about it until our conversation. She and she said, "I did not realize until just now how much privilege I have to even be able to do something like that." Mm-hmm. And I said, you are absolutely correct, because I personally feel as a black cisgender woman um, walking through the neighborhood, if I am told, if no one else knows, mm-hmm. if I'm told to go get something from the neighbors wherever in on their property and I go, I'm going to be questioned, mm-hmm. more than questioned, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. It's honestly a fear for life for me. Yeah, but, I think it's justified. I think, you know, absolutely, given, absolutely, given right? everything that happens in our society and, and, and you're touching on something about intersectionality right there, because one of yes, the things that yes. is important about it is all of those factors, you know, that, that make us us, it's how we create, you know, different modes of discrimination and privilege and things like that is with intersectionality yes. and how it plays into that. Because in certain yes. circumstances, you know, might me being a white you know, cisgender male is going to be, uh, there's a certain level of privilege associated with that, with that, you know, right. and then there's um, other things associated with disability or being gay and all kinds of other things. So yes. it's how it all plays out together. Exactly. And that's, that's a perfect lead into where I'm going. So I was saying, I feel like, you know, that, that would be my experience. However, if I am walking through the neighborhood with my mobility cane, suddenly I am not a threat at all. Mm-hmm. And there's a good side to that because to a certain degree, it saves my life, Mm -hmm. which is, it almost makes me emotional to think that because I'm not seen as a threat. No one thinks that I can see anything at all. I'm automatically assumed not only to be totally blind, but I'm also assumed to just be completely non able mm-hmm. <laughs> possibly not even um what is it? some some additional level of less than and yes. less valuable like no i'm not even a thought you're not a threat and you are you are in need of help exactly exactly and it's that that set with me for a minute mm-hmm. and um it's hard because there are so many times when I don't want to use my cane, I don't, because um, mm-hmm. on, the, on the other side of this, on the complete flip side of this, um, that would be walking through, let's say, what, maybe a suburban neighborhood. Well, if I'm walking, you know, downtown in any downtown area or possibly a more urban space, I don't want to walk with my cane because I also don't want to be seen as a victim, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> so, like, there's... Man, there there's so many interesting levels to how disability intersects w- with our experience. At just overall, like for me as a woman, as a black woman, 
my goodness, it, 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 it creates a lot of different types of conversations. And I never know what's going to happen until I am in the moment. And um, in that particular instance to think, wow, it, it would take for me to be walking with my cane in order for no one, hopefully no one to call the police and report me for taking something off of someone else's property. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's disgusting that you should even have to think about that. You know, it's disgusting right, that, that right? even pop into your brain. But the truth is, exactly. the reality, the reality is, is that it, 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 it is the truth. And as disgusting right. as it might be, it's still the truth, which leads into stereotypes and stigma and, you know, all of these yes. sort of, uh, self-doubt and and things like that you know like I don't use my cane all the time because I view it as right. a tool I have zero shame about using it when I need it and it is always with me it is always in my backpack and because it, it keeps me safe and right. uh, that's how I view it and that's that's because that's what it is it's not about what other people think about it. I don't give a damn it's to keep me safe and let me get some, from point a to point b safely and yeah. in, and in one piece but there's also that feeling that you're talking about that that if you, I'm not using it, people just assume that I'm fully able-bodied, that I see just fine, which is also not accurate. Right. You know, how many right. times, you know, I get into an Uber and they're like, oh, I couldn't tell that you can't see why. Because I, I, you shouldn't assume anything about anybody, first of all. Um, right. <laughs> that. It's, oh, that's, my That's goodness. what it is. It's that assumption. And, you know, and then I tell people, oh, no, I really don't see very well. I, I you know, you, nobody wants me driving in it and uh yeah I, well, I can't um but at the same time don't feel bad for me either because i'm good yes it, it, but it, it, it's uh, hard it's it's hard to strike it that is balance. Hard. yes and and it's a daily thing and then uh, it draws so much attention like i appreciate what you said about the cane and i i honestly on most very good days, I feel the same way as far as the cane being a tool. But I also feel like it, it always grasps. It just gets so much attention. And because I'm the type of person that I am um, and with the inclusion work that I do, I do appreciate any opportunity to train and educate people, no matter who they are. Very similarly to um, a colleague of ours, an AFB goddess, um, I, I'm real. She was on the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so yeah, like I'm real quick to you know pull a few people together from any business and say, hey, this is how this could go. Here are a couple of other things that we could do in this particular situation. Maybe I can line something up. <laughs> but at the same time, every single day, every time I leave the house. Oh my gosh! I don't know if I have the capacity for it all yeah. the time. You know, yeah, it can, it can, well, yeah, because it can, it can be an exhausting to be the one single pen amongst a bunch of pencils. You know, it right. you, you, you stick out. Um, right. But I think I think you know human beings are curious creatures. We look for patterns. We look for you know. There's a everybody wants to feel like they belong, and everybody wants to feel like they are part of something. And so I honestly believe that most of the time people are looking at me when I have is there's a curiosity factor because. Nine times out of 10, they've never seen somebody use one before. And there's right. a curiosity there. And uh, similar to you, I think it's an opportunity to, if I show up with that chip on my shoulder, I then create, and this person's never encountered somebody with a cane before, and it's their, then they're just curious. And I show up and I am angry. I'm, you know, it's not that I am obligated to be nice to anybody. 
But right. I personally do. But if I am showing, if I show up to that person who's just curious and they're not causing me any harm, they've done nothing to me and they're just curious and I react to them in a way that is, gives a negative impression because I have a cane, that leaves an impression for everybody that has a cane. Right. I'm representative exactly. of the community, whether I like it or not. Yes, um, exactly. Or several communities yes. considering the whole intersectionality. Like for me, I'm, I'm always representing Black people, always representing women, always representing mm -hmm. cane-using blind people, mm -hmm. always representing single mothers. Like that. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you, do, you are because, those, you, like because you are all those things. And to deny right. it, I think, is we do ourselves a disservice. Right. Uh, because we are all those things whether we like it or not it's just the truth it's and and accepting the truth is i think it's number one it's important for our own well-being for it, it is what it is and when you can acknowledge it and be like all right this is this this is what it is it allows you the space it creates a space where you can move forward through it because mm -hmm. you're acknowledging the reality of it if you're trying to pretend that you know or compartmentalize every aspect of your life how are you showing up authentically and that's right. what you want to create um uh, so there was a show um it's on netflix and it's it's gotten a, a fair amount of press that i finished the first season called Heartstopper, and it is mm. just a beautiful show about these two young kids in england and it's just about what it's it's just a beautiful show it's so touching and it has all the feels and I got all misty eyed in it not because <laughs> it's just it's just a uh, feels good to see something that's not the world is full of enough tragedy and garbage and bad stuff all you got you know and so it's nice to have a show that just touching and it made you feel good and oh, I and nice. like that's why CBS Sunday morning is my favorite show and I don't ever miss it because it has things that make you feel good. Like Steve Hartman just makes it's stuff, it's about the human condition and that, you know, I genuinely believe people are good and people show up when things really get tough. Um, just look at like hurricane reliefs and you know, anytime there's a tragedy, mm. you know, people show up. And I really believe that there's not enough attention given to that part of the human condition. We you know, no, there's so not sensational things or what are we get the focus, right? right and that's but that's not right. who people are i genuinely don't believe that no. people are i love that i do quite agree and thank you for the the new recommendation i'm thinking about your your consulting business and please excuse and forgive me as i have not had the chance to listen to all of your episodes yet so I i'll forgive this you. Is not <laughs> <laughs> i'll forgive you it's okay this this may be a repeat but i'm so curious as to two things um if you can name two things two ways in which blindness has positively impacted or set you up for success in your business that you run i can give a lot more than two so i don't it's not necessarily a direct lie like line from me encountering disability via blindness in 2014 and and my business so uh, my career coaching and my executive coaching and, you know, a big component of that is when it would take way too long to go into why I believe diversity and inclusion is a huge aspect of my coaching business, because yes. I'm all about creating opportunities for marginalized groups and getting people employed in careers that they love. And that yes. means if you don't open the doors for everybody, that's not possible. Uh, I don't see that they're different things. I see them as the same thing. But anyways, mm -hmm. that's, that, that, that's a whole other subject. I didn't realize that coaching is a, could be an enterprise 
until, you know, a lot later in life, much more recently, because it's something I've always done. Mm. It, is, it is something I just naturally do, whether yes. I want to or not. And I didn't see it as coaching. I didn't see it. I just saw it as me being me. I believe right. in the potential of people. I believe in the possibility of people. I am an optimist and I want to see people thrive authentically as they are in whatever it is that makes them happy, whatever makes them tick, whatever it is that they are passionate about. That's, I want to empower them to thrive in whatever it is that they are, that they want to do. But I've always done that ever since I could remember. And so it never even occurred to me that it's, that it could be a career until much, until much more recently in my life. And when I had that aha moment, it's like, oh, wait a second. This is a career. This is a job. I, right. I, why did it see, why did it take so long for something that I just naturally, and I think that's why it's because the things that we naturally do, we do them no matter what. Right. And so we don't think of them as jobs. We don't think of them as careers. We don't think of them as opportunities because it, we can't separate who we are from what we, you know, what we do. And that's was sort of like the aha moment. So whether, whether I encountered disability or blindness or not, I don't, I don't really think that that necessarily played a role in it, maybe in some small capacity, but I don't know. I, you know, it's too hard to draw that line, but where I can say for without any question, without any doubt, how blindness has affected me in a very positive way is like, I wouldn't take it back even if I could. And I know that might sound strange, but it has given me so much more than it ever took away. Yes, it took away my, uh, it took away sight, but it didn't take away my mobility. I get around just fine. Do I do it differently? Yes, I do have to do it differently. Different isn't worse. It's just different. And, but what it gave me, and I was having a conversation with my brother about this not so long ago, and it was very touching to me what he said, because, you know, my mother passed away in 2018. And so after I encountered my disability, I couldn't see anything for a long period of time. And so my mother and I decided to live together. It was fine. We had, we had a very healthy relationship. It was very respectful. There were boundaries, you know, so it wasn't, it was fine. And then once I recovered, you know, to a point where with my vision and my health to where I was sort of stable, Mm -hmm. um, which took, you know, two and a half years, she was diagnosed with cancer for the third time, breast cancer. And it was terminal. Mm. And because, mm. we were, because we were already living together, because we already had this very strong relationship, we were already set up and we were all, I, I just, we've just basically for like roles where I became her caregiver and I took care of everything that she needed to. And I just let her be a mom and a grandmother. She didn't have to worry about anything. She could just focus on the rest of living the rest of her life as best as she could to, and just living. She didn't right. have to worry about anything. Um, and that with, if I didn't encounter my disability, my blindness, I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I wouldn't take away that time that I had with her for anything on the planet. Yes. Um, and so mm-hmm. that in and of itself is it, that what singular reasons enough for me, but what it also gave me, and this is what I was talking to my brother about is I'm a better person because of it. Yeah. And what I mean by that, I've never been a bad person. I've never been a mean person, but it has opened me up in a way to other people and allowing myself to be more vulnerable, more open to other people and just accept getting rid of sort of the, the bull crap out there that it doesn't, most things in life are not that big of a deal. Um, yeah. And in life, there's a tendency to where ev- we let everything get under our skin. We let everything bother us. Everything is a big production. Everything is serious. And the right. truth is it's not. There are very few things that are really, really serious. And we know when they hit us 
And that's what I treat when something serious, it has my attention and I take it seriously. Most of the other stuff is just stuff. Yeah. And if we let everything bother us, we're just going to drive ourselves miserable. Mm -hmm. So let, let go of all the crap that, you know, we encounter on, you know, yes, bad stuff happens. It sucks. People treat us badly. All, all kinds of things happen, but carrying that stuff, carrying that baggage doesn't serve you at all. It only, it only detracts and it creates less space for the good stuff. And so when you can get rid of that baggage, when you can, uh, when you can forgive yourself for your own transgressions, and when you can forgive other people for when they may have transgressed against you, just forgive them and move on. You can, you can either, you can let them be a part of your life or not let them be a part of your life. That's up to you, but get rid of toxic people, get rid of people that aren't helping you to, to be your best self and let right. them go. Say, I wish you well, but you know what? We're not good for each other. Then let them go. And when you do that, you create space for the good stuff. You create st space for that opportunity. So I guess in a way, blindness created that space mm -hmm. so that I could move in the direction where I could be more authentic and open my own business and start my own business and focus on what I'm really, truly passionate about, which is helping other people thrive. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Thank you. And I, we, we have that in common. So, um, and you noted this um, earlier and I, I would say I'm absolutely a person of faith and yeah, there you go. That's, I, better <laughs> <laughs> That's better. That's better. That's much better. Yeah. And, um, and I appreciate that. And I, I, as you were talking, it reminded me, we have so much in common, Ken, like, it's so funny to me, but as you were saying that it reminded me of one of my favorite scriptures, um, which is Romans uh, chapter eight, verse 28, which says all things work together for the good to them who love God and for them who are called according to his purpose. And that, like everything that you were talking about, no matter what, it's all worked together to make you who you are. This beautiful person, my gosh, that I am so grateful to have met who has this powerful yet gentle voice um you don't from what i've seen like you absolutely do not want to take any crap whatsoever you're not going to take any crap you're definitely going to advocate um for yourself and others and yet my gosh like you're, you're just so kind and if if for me it's like come what may and i think of the same thing for my kids too whatever and it's hard for parents to admit that i think um, whatever is required to make you the person who you are supposed to be, then come what may, mm -hmm. you know, and that's that I know that sounds so strange, especially as a parent, but no, I, I, I feel like I'm, I like that though. I think I, I really like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I, no, go ahead. I, the thing that my mom gave, um, my brothers and I, that I will be, be eternally grateful for is unconditional love and yes. acceptance of who we are yes. as individuals and knowing that no matter what she had our back. Yeah. It didn't mean she always approved of what we did. Didn't mean she always liked it, but she would never, ever, ever give up on her kids. And yes. if there was something that we believed in and we had, we were going to, we were never told you can't be that or you that's, that's unacceptable. You are, we were who we were as people as individuals is, was fine by her as long as we 
we're living being authentic to ourselves, trying and being good human beings to each other and to other people. That's what mattered to her. And we were going to find our own way. And yes, what we needed that. was that love and that nourishment. And it's, it's, it's so, it, it breaks my heart to know that not everybody understands that feeling mm. because it's mm. it, the older I get, the more I meet a more, you know, a more, more people. And I realize not everybody gets that. Right. And that is the most powerful thing in this universe is that unconditional love. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be necessary to be from a parent, but we all need it. And we all do. Absolutely. And when you have it and you know that somebody's not going to give up on you and they they will be there, they will show up and they right. it doesn't mean that they're going to be happy with you necessarily, but they'll show right. up and they will, and they <laughs> won't, you know, they can show up disappointed, <laughs> but they'll show right. up and they won't stop exactly. loving you. And that kind of relationship is the most powerful thing on this planet. And the greatest thing about being adults is because, you know, sometimes we come from backgrounds or from situations or our upbringings are less than ideal, putting it mildly. Once we get older, we have the power to create our own community. We have the power to create those relationships. We have the power to find those people. If we take the correct, if we say, you know what, I want this, I crave, I want something different. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can create that, but it takes, it takes, it takes saying, you know what, uh, recognition that those people certain people are toxic and it's okay it doesn't mean it's not against somebody else to say you know what we're not a good fit right it's sometimes it's just the truth that you you can wish somebody well and say you know what i'm sorry but this it's just not working for me and what i need in my life it's you are who you are you're okay who you are but it's not working for me and it needs to that's okay yeah. You, it is yeah. okay to be a little bit selfish when it comes to your well-being and your your mental fitness and your health and your emotional wellness. That's okay. Absolutely. To protect ourselves and have yes. those boundaries. Yes. It's, it's, I think it's critical. And mm -hmm. it's not saying anything bad about anybody else to say that. It's saying, you know, find your own, you know, find people that love and accept you as you are. It's not compatible with me and my values and who I am. That's okay. Right. It's okay that you don't have to just agree on everything with somebody as well. You know, it's, it's, it's not about this way or that way. It's, can you show up authentically yes. with all of your intersectionality and right. feel love, acceptance, and belonging with the people in your life? And yes. the more we can do to create that space and cast away judgments and, you know, our own shame. Because I think, honestly, sometimes I know I've been guilty of this. I've been the one that has been the person that severed the relationship unnecessarily out of mm. fear out of anxiety out of fear of rejection or i wasn't you know i've prematurely ended relationships because i didn't want to be the one to be damaged so i caused the damage myself we all have failings and we Been all have there. stuff that yeah and how and, and, and you know i look back and i'm like god i was stupid to do that but you know what i can forgive myself because it wasn't you know i wasn't it, it is what it is we all we are all imperfect people right and truly, when it comes down to it, too, when it comes to these relationships, something that I'm learning is whatever is meant to really be. This is so funny. I literally can think of a scripture for everything. Um, <laughs> there's, so there is, um, and I just read it, actually, um, 
in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through eight. You may have heard this because this, this is a very popular saying, to be quite honest, amongst all people, <laughs> I believe anyway, that there's, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Well, that original thought comes at least from what I've seen and what I've read, it does come from Ecclesiastes. So there's, you know, a time and a season to things. Mm -hmm. And my mom used to say, I don't know where she got this from, but you know, some people are in your life for, you know, a reason. And there's those who are there for a season and there's those who are there for a lifetime. Uh And those who are meant to be there for a lifetime, regardless of whatever may have come to challenge the relationship at any time for however long there was separation, whatever it is, if they're meant to be there for a lifetime, they'll circle back or uh-huh. you'll, you'll find your way back, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and if they don't, then you know that they fall into either reason or season category, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and relationships are meant to evolve over the, over our lifetimes. Yeah. They're not supposed yes. to stay static. They're not supposed to stay the same. Plus, yes. how boring would that be? But, you know, they're supposed to evolve. We as we are as people are supposed to change ourselves. We are not supposed to stay the same our entire lives. We're no, supposed to grow. Not at all. To, and we should want that for everyone else as well. And so that means that as, you know, your priorities are going to change. They're going to shift. People get married. People get divorced. They have kids. They, you know, there are all kinds of things happen. And right. the one thing that I think that would make for a kinder, better world is if we just said, all right allowing people to show and creating a space where they feel safe to show up authentically and be themselves mm-hmm. and, and they can be a part of, you know, when it comes to, you know, work in our professional lives, of course, you know, there should, everyone should feel welcome and yeah. that they, and that they will, that they should be, that they should be there if, if it's, but even just in life, we shouldn't create barriers for people. We should, right. we should knock them down. And the more we can do that, the better we will all, we, we all benefit from it. You know, there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of, you know, people don't realize a lot of our technology in some ways comes from accessibility for people that were disabled. Right. You know? And so we all benefit from speech to text, right? Mm-hmm. What was that That's originally? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, there's transcription and all these other things that we all benefit from. Um, Everybody, that's that targeted universalism. Yes, uh, I don't know why. Yes, yes, yeah, but create with intent. But everybody benefits. Everyone Um, benefits. Yes, you know, we are all going to get old one day. It doesn't, you know, whether we like it or not. Inevitable. Um, And so ramps, ramps are ramps are safer for me. I would rather use a ramp than stairs. And I'm able-bodied in terms of my mobility. Um, right. So I benefit from wheelchair ramps and I'm not yeah. in a wheelchair. So do most That's elderly right. people because it's easier for them to go up or, and safer for them to go up a ramp. So as, we, as do moms who yeah. are rolling with strollers. Yes, you know? thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and so it's like when we create access and we, we, we remove barriers for people to get, you know, to do, to just participate in life, we all yes. benefit. And yes. so that that's, you know, we, you know, going back, circling back to intersectionality, that's where, you know, we have a tendency to throw people into categories like you are this or you're that. No, you don't have to be this no. or that. You can be all you can be all of all the things of that it. you are. And I want to take all of those things into consideration. Yep. And make sure that you're good. Yeah. And then hear how you can be and how we can do other things to make sure that everybody else is too. Yeah. <laughs> so that everyone can show up and be them and be their authentic self because that's really right. what we and all want. Share and create and design and, and just enjoy this life <laughs> we have left, you know? But yeah. It, it, I, I 
can't all fit into the same box. So why even try? Right. My goodness. And so, and you know, the the fact that anybody would have to think about, well, I maybe I shouldn't do that, even though I have permission to from the owner of this house. <laughs> that's not the world we want to live in. No, at, at least that's not what I want to live in. Nobody should be. We shouldn't assume anybody is doing something nefarious based on anything other than if they're doing something nefarious. Right. <laughs> Basically, we, that's the way it should be. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 until I got a dog, I had a firm belief that I would not live anywhere if I felt like I had to lock the doors if I was home. Mm. I shouldn't feel unsafe when I'm in my home. To the yeah. point where I feel like I need to lock the doors because somebody, because I feel unsafe if it's not locked. I, the reason I started locking my doors is because I got a dog. I don't want to be anywhere where I feel like I need to lock my doors to keep myself safe. If I'm not home, it's a different thing. But if I'm there, I shouldn't feel like I have to. Um, because it's, it's your home. Why should you, you should never feel unsafe in your home. And I know that, and that, that right there is a sense of privilege that I can say that. Man, because I was just thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't feel that way. <laughs> a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. And just the fact that that's something that is a cornerstone of who I am as a person is a big, that is a privilege that I recognize that I, that I, that I have that a lot of people don't know. And it sucks that I, because I think everyone should have that feeling. Everyone should have that. No one should ever feel unsafe in their home. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. So, wow. This this was a really great conversation. Thank you, thank you. I agree, and I'm I'm so happy that you know that you were able to sort of take the lead on this one. Well, that was that was fun. Normally, it's the other way around. Normally, I'm asking the question, so it was kind of nice to be in the hot seat. <laughs> I, I, appreciate you for, <laughs> I appreciate you for letting me drive. It's the first time in three years, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, this was really really great, and um, you know, honestly, I'm just tell you real quick. I was a little bit scared. I'm like, oh man, spontaneity. I'm, this is not my <laughs> you, did so you did great thank Likewise. you so much you did great and so uh with that i'm gonna take the helm back so <laughs> i want to thank you for for again coming on and continuing the conversation we had uh, last time again if you could just remind everybody where they can get a hold of you and of course all the links and stuff will be in the description of the uh, podcast below but if you could let them all know where they can find you please Absolutely. There's the diversitycrew.com website. There's LinkedIn. And those are the main spaces to find me doing my, my diversity inclusion, accessibility inclusion thing. So yeah, come find me. I'm happy to connect with people. And spell your name for everybody just in case. Because we have a lot oh, of blind people that listen. So <laughs> absolutely, of course, of course. So it is Montrese Hardy, M as in Mary, O as an octopus, N as in Nancy, T as in Tom, R as in Richard, E as in Edward, E as in Edward, C as in Cat, E as in Edward. And the last name Hardy, H as in Hat, A as in Apple, R as in Richard, D as in David, Y as in Yellow. Montrese Hardy, that's me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Montrese. You are amazing. I adore you. Um, and <laughs> I really do. I think you're, you're, you're just, I love talking to you. Um, and uh, so uh, until next time, this is uh, Ken Meeker, um, certified professional coach and owner of Vitality Career Coaching. And this has been the Dissing My Ability podcast. Uh, please like, subscribe and share with uh, your community. And remember to be kind to yourself and to others. Yay.